would invite you to take your Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14, we're going to pick up the story in verse 43. And I want to remind you, if you're, if you're picking up this, this study late, because there are only 16 chapters in Mark, that doesn't mean we're almost done, but it means that we've already covered a lot of ground. Um, the messages from the Gospel of Mark are on our website if you want to go back and listen to any of the passages that you might have missed. And some of you are reading through Mark right now, which I encourage you to do. That's For some of us, that's the, the, reading Bible, the, the Bible reading plan that we have, is that we take time every, every day to read some of the passage um, that we looked at in our Sunday school class or bi- our Bible study class or the morning um, worship time and take, just take time to read that. As you do that, and then you go back and listen to those messages. If you haven't heard them, you'll, you'll get some extra insight and encouragement in the Word. Um, but Mark chapter 14, in the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus had just prayed for the Father's will to be done and not his, as he was approaching this hour, he called it this hour, where he was going to receive the cup of the, um, the sins of the world being placed on him. Verse 43 says, just as he was speaking, he just told his disciples that he was about to be betrayed. Just as he was speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, appeared. With him was a crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders. Those were the religious leaders of of Israel in Jerusalem. Verse 44, now the betrayer, referring to Judas, had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him and lead him away under guard. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Rabbi, and kissed him. The men seized Jesus and arrested him. Then one of those standing near drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Am I leading a rebellion, said Jesus, that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I was with you teaching in the temple courts, and you did not arrest me. But the scriptures must be fulfilled. Then everyone deserted him and fled. A young man, wearing nothing but a linen garment, was following Jesus. When they seized him, he fled naked, leaving his garment behind. Now, I'm going to address that first. Okay? Now, now that your attention has been taken to that, all right, we're not positive, all right, but there, there, are, there are some accounts, and it's mostly based on tradition, but remember, oral tradition is a real thing. And, and there are a lot of true things that, you know, we don't have written documentation of. But many think that this young boy was Mark himself, the author of this, of this gospel. We know that, this, that Mark was younger than the, than the apostles, um, we also know about his family. It's very possible that 
it was his family that gave the, that let um, the, Jesus and the disciples use the upper room for the Last Supper. And if that was the case, then Mark, being a young boy at that time, would have probably been hanging around like young boys do and might have even gotten up out of bed, which is why he was just wrapped in a, uh, in a, in a linen garment instead of wearing his normal clothes. That may be how that all happened. We don't know. But, it's, but we're glad it's here. We don't, we don't know the, the details, but we're glad it's here. It reminds us that this stuff, this story that we're reading, all of these events, these happened in the real world. Where, where there are curious, even mischievous boys. Do I hear amen to that? <laughs> Jesus came into the real world where life was going on just like our lives. Oh, different details, different technology, but same stuff. And I'm, and I'm glad Mark included this aspect. And, and again, it wasn't just Mark. Mark was inspired by the Holy Spirit to include this, again, to remind us. These things took place in our world, just at a different time. But it was a world just like what we're experiencing right now, real people. And one of them was a, was a, was a little kid um, who probably eventually ended up being one of the authors inspired by God um, to, to write this great story. But let's look then at one of the worst things that's ever happened in the history of the world. You know, we, we, our culture has, has adopted so many things from Scripture within it. And so when somebody says, oh, that's a Judas kiss, you know, we know that's the, you know, that's somebody betraying us. That's somebody turning their back on us. You know, we, we, we understand that. But this is so much more than that. This is so much more than that. When, when we think about who it was that's being betrayed. I mean, everything about the crucifixion is awful. Everything about it is just awful. Except, and which is why we call the day of it Good Friday, except the results of it. Are wonderful but the, the the details of it are awful and and we haven't gotten there yet but on the way there awful things happen and this is one of them one of his friends and did you hear mark mention quoting jesus that the scriptures must be fulfilled did you see this betrayal in in psalm 41 this morning as we read in it even my friend has lifted up his heel against me. This was, this was prophesied hundreds of years before it took place that Jesus was going to be betrayed by his friend. And Jesus had the ability, even though he knew Judas was going to betray him, he had the ability to still be his friend and, and, and to still teach him and to still love him and encourage him and all those things. But but Judas is an example of the worst of us, the worst in us. The ability to be around Jesus and his companions for these three years, to hear all the, the, the messages 
all the parables, all the stories, to see all the healings, to hear about eternal life constantly. Do you remember what Peter said when Jesus asked the disciples if they were going to leave him too after the large crowd left him because of what he was teaching? Because he was talking about drinking his blood and eating his flesh, talking about the, the, the cross, talking about death. And everybody left, and, and Jesus said to his disciples, you, got, you guys are going to leave too? Do you remember what Peter said? Where are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. Judas had been hearing all that, just like Peter had, just like the rest of the apostles had. He'd been hearing all that. He'd been around that. He was more interested in himself. He was, first of all, he made 30 bucks on this deal. You think, what? But we sell out. We sell out. Judas isn't the only, only one who sold out. We do this. Oh, we don't do it to this degree. Some people do. Most of us haven't ever been put in a situation, you know, where, where we could sell out like this. But there, there are people in the world right now going through, you know, living in, in, in places where there's heavy persecution. Where for money, they'll turn on, on people they, that they used to worship with. You know, they'll, they'll do these kind of things. You know, Judas isn't the only one that's ever done this kind of thing. This is just the worst thing that's probably ever been done. And that didn't stop Jesus. He never quit. He never, he never gave up. He, he was tempted to. We saw that last week in this same garden where he's being arrested. He, he was saying, Father, if there's another way, let's go that way. Let's do it that way. Instead of what I'm about ready to go through. But he knew that he knew that wasn't happening. This was this was the eternal plan that he's a part, you know, as the as the part of the Godhead, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, Jesus existing from all eternity past. He was he was a part of putting this together. He knew this plan. And he was going to carry it out. And he didn't let this terrible moment from Judah stop him. As much as it broke his heart as much as it must have discouraged him. And and again, we say, well, he knew it was coming. Yeah, we know a lot of things are coming. It still discourages us. And he was discouraged by, or tempted to be discouraged by it as well. But he didn't let it stop him. Remember the mission that Mark has shown us as he's describing the Son of God to us. Remember the mission that Jesus has been on since Bethlehem. He is headed to the cross outside Jerusalem. That's where he's going. That's where he is going to go. Nothing is going to stop him, not even this betrayal. Now, Mark doesn't, describe, doesn't give all the details of, of what took place. None of the gospel writers give all the details. Put them all together, they don't give all the details. I like the way John puts it at the end of, the, at the end of his gospel. He said, if we wrote down everything that Jesus did, all the books in the world wouldn't be able to contain it. I mean, Jesus was doing these things, amazing things. So we don't, we don't see all the details here, but we see enough. 
that his friend kissed him. And again, that, that's not an uncommon thing to, to kiss someone in, in, in their culture. But that was the signal. And that's when, it, that's when it all started to unravel. All the things that the scripture said were going to take place. And we, remember, we've been reading from the Old Testament to see these prophecies. We read Isaiah 53 to see all these things taking place. It's all happening. And it's all starting now with this kiss. Immediately, Mark doesn't, doesn't tell it that it's Peter, but Peter immediately takes the ear off that guy. What a swordsman. Taking the ear off without hitting the head. No, he was going for the head and got the ear. Because he was serious when he told Jesus, I'll die for you. He was serious. He meant it. He wasn't kidding. He was ready. But Jesus says, Whoa. And again, remember, there are a lot of details that Mark doesn't include. But the important thing is Jesus lets them know. What are you doing? Wait a minute. You, don't, you guys don't need your swords to take me in. I'm not trying to stop you from taking me in. In fact, just before this, before Judas kissed him, all of those soldiers had fallen down when Jesus identified himself as the I am of God himself. When he said, I am he, they all fell down. Jesus had already let them know if he didn't want to go with them, he wasn't going with them. And there was nothing they could do, but they already knew that. And now he's reminding them, you don't need these swords. I'm going because I'm going. You're not taking me. I came here for this. And and again, it's important whenever we think about these things. Who did he come here for? Came here for the glory of God. He came here because the work that he was going to do was going to redeem people, his creation, so that we could bring him glory. But we're the ones that are are going to bring him glory. He came here for us. He came here for the Judas and for the soldiers and for the apostles and for the little boy looking from the back. He came here to redeem us so that we could be who he made us to be, those who would bring honor and glory to our creator. It's not hard to do on a day like today. Wasn't it beautiful coming in this morning? Amazing. Our creator is amazing. Most people see all that beauty, all his creation, and they just think, man, that is really cool. And they don't give one thought to the one who made it. We do. You know why we do? Because he came here for us. He went through this for us. He laid his life down. They're not taking it from him. He's making that very clear. You don't need the swords and the spears. You don't need that. I'm going because I came here to go with you. Because I've got a job to do that only I can do. And so he gets ready to go. Now, as we think about this, this is actually a great Sunday 
to be talking about this. Because this is the week of Thanksgiving. And now that means, that means for some of us, some traveling. Some of, you, some, some of us are already traveling. You know, some of us are online right now, you know, even watching in the car, not the drivers. But, um, I mean, people are, people are traveling. Some of, some of us are going to travel. And, so, and for some of us, that's a chore. Traveling can, can be a chore. For others of us, um, we're going to be the site of where the traveling ends. And that can be a chore. But all of it is, a, is an amazing opportunity to give thanks. And this year, because we looked at this, at this part of the garden story, the arrest of our Lord Jesus, this year, maybe we'll have this on our minds extra heavily as we celebrate Thanksgiving and we eat the great food that the kids talked about. We're going to be thinking about the great food, the body and blood of our Savior, and what he was willing to do, and what he insisted. It's not just a willingness, it's an insistence on doing it. He could have turned back in the garden earlier when he was praying. He could have turned back now. He could have turned back later in the trial. He could have ended it at any time. He had the power to do that, but he never did it. He kept on going because he knew what the results were going to be. And we can celebrate that as we celebrate around our tables, as we, as we have fellowship with family and friends. We can highlight what he did and his willingness, his insistence on accomplishing the plan of God because we're a part of that. When we, when we see Judas, the worst of us, well, is he worse than the guys who hired him? Is he worse than the soldiers who carried it out? Is he worse than the Roman? These were Jewish soldiers. Is he worse than the Roman soldiers who are going to nail him to the cross, who are going to stick a spear into him, ridicule him, mock him? All of these things point to something about us that should make us very thankful as we celebrate this national holiday, one of seven countries out of 195 or 200, something like that. (laughs) Not very many people are doing it, but we're doing it. And we have an opportunity to celebrate and be thankful for the right things. Oh, we have so much to be thankful for. But we don't have anything better than this to be thankful for. That in spite of who he came for, and that's us, we're in that group. We're in that group of heinous sinners that we just enumerated, starting with Judas. We're in his group until we receive him. When we receive him, we're no longer in that group. Does that mean we haven't sinned? No. It doesn't mean we haven't sinned. It means that we're no longer going to be held accountable for our sin. We're not going to be judged for our sin. We're not going to be sent to eternal separation in hell for our sin. And remember, that's not my idea. That's not a a, a church idea. That is what Jesus said is going to happen to everybody who dies apart from him, who dies rejecting him. 
But those of us who don't reject him, those of us who receive him, who believe on his name, as John puts it, we become the children of God. And so when we celebrate on the fourth Thursday, we celebrate something different. Oh, we're thankful for our country. We're thankful for God's blessings on this country. And we say that, and we'll say that on Thursday, but we're thankful for something more than that. We're thankful that Jesus did this, that he received that kiss. I know, I know some of you play these games in your mind as I do. You know, there, was, there were the bracelets for a while, WWJD, what would Jesus do? Sometimes I think of that, what would I have done in Jesus' situation? And I'm pretty sure I wouldn't let Judas kiss me. Of course, it probably wouldn't have gotten to this point. Because that would have been me. And aren't you glad it wasn't me? And aren't you glad it wasn't you? And that's always the thought I end up having whenever I start thinking of that. Aren't we glad that it was Jesus? Because he did let Judas kiss him. He made him. He extended his his personal favor and love to him. He let him kiss him. He let them take him away. They didn't need they didn't need they didn't need the group of them. One guy could have come and taken him. They didn't need any of that. Because of what he was here for. And we remember that. And we thank him for that because we're giving him thanks in this way because he did that. And we're not stopping now. The, the American tradition of Thanksgiving is just a tiny, minuscule picture of what eternity is going to be like. We're, we're going to be able to give him thanks for eternity. And, that, and that's, that's difficult for us to think about. The whole concept of eternity is mind-boggling because we just don't experience stuff like that. Everything, everything that we know has a specific starting point, specific ending point. That's not eternity. Jesus, as part of the Godhead, part of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, he's existed from eternity past, and he's going to exist eternity in the future, and we're going to be with him. And we think, well, that doesn't, there are certain aspects of that sounds good, but some of it doesn't sound good because we don't have that kind of stamina. We don't have that kind of attention span. I mean, we're like five minutes or less. Two, thank you. Yeah. We're not good at we're not good at long stuff. Don't worry about that. He'll take care of that. We read the word and we find out what he says about this eternity that he's preparing and planning for us as we were singing today. And he's going to take care of that. It is it is it's going to be better than the best that we've ever experienced, and it's not going to end like everything else does. Somebody told me um, today how fast their life is going. Anybody feeling that? Feel like I think it's on fast forward, you know. And I, and I look back to when I was in my twenties, t- talking to my grandmother about how fast it seemed like things were going. She said, "Oh, Dean, it hadn't even gotten fast for you yet." <laughs> she said, "It gets really fast." 
And it does. But that's now. That's us. We're not going to run out of time for anything when we're with him. And you know why we're going to be with him? Because he did this. Because he did this. And somebody told us about this. For some of us, it was a lot of people. For some of us, we were like the, the, the young people and the children sitting here in the chairs today. We were sitting there with our parents and our grandparents, our aunts or uncles or friends, and we were hearing this from, from preachers and from Sunday school teachers and from parents. Were you blessed to hear one of the kids thank God for their dad who reads the Bible to them a lot? She threw that in there a lot. Some of you had dads like that or have dads like that or moms like that or grandparents. The list goes on. Somebody told you, some of you, it's, a, it's not a family member. It wasn't a church experience. It was, it was a tennis teammate or other kind of teammate or, or classmate. Somebody, for some of us in college, whatever it might be. But somebody told us. And that's still going on. That's still happening. And that's what that last song was about. That last song to launch us into this week to remember that we got to tell somebody. And this, what a great week to do it. What we've heard here, what we've seen here, his commitment to the task that he was called to, and that the, the, the results of that task were going to bring us into the family of God forever. That's something to be excited about. That's something to let somebody else that doesn't know about that or hasn't heard it well yet or hasn't heard it at the right time that's something to let them know. And so let's make sure that we're bold this week in our thanksgiving. Yes, we'll be thankful for the, for the normal things. The country, our safety, our food, all these kind of blessings. We'll be thankful for those things. But we're also going to go one step further. And we're going to thank God for the Savior who is willing to give up not only his place in glory for those 33 years, but he's willing to go through what he went through, including the betrayal of, his, of one of his close friends and then, the, and then the fleeing of all the rest of them. He was willing to go through that. And remember, that was just the beginning of the ordeal. That, that's going to continue throughout Mark 14. But let's be thankful this week in the, in the groups that we're with as, we've, as we verbalize our giving of thanks. Let's make sure they hear about Jesus in our thanksgiving because he, as he's showing us again, he is worthy of all thanks, of all praise, of all glory. He is worthy of our lives. He is worthy of us doing what we're doing this morning. And again, I commend you. You gave up something this morning to be here. I commend you. It was a a worthy sacrifice to come and express your praise and your honor to God together. It was worth that. It was worth you Submitting yourself for a few minutes to listening to the Word of God and to, and, to, and to really thinking about it, taking some time 
to, to let it into your mind. It, it was worth whatever you gave up to do this. So I commend you. But I want you to know, it's not just a Sunday thing. Let this heart of thanksgiving that you have, to, that you express in song, let that go with you wherever you go. On this special week, but on every week. And remember that as the children of God, we have a reason to give thanks. Our Savior did not stop. He did not back down. He did not give up. He did not change mid-course. He stayed the course and accomplished the plan, including receiving that kiss from his friend. Let's bow together for prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we call you that because you've made us royalty. We sang about that earlier today. When we received your son Jesus, you said we became your children, making us royalty for eternity. And you've allowed us, even called us, to call you Father. So, Father, we give you thanks for the opportunity that we have to give you thanks. The freedom here in America to do this without being arrested or killed or tortured or separated from our families or imprisoned. You've given us this opportunity. Not just because we live in America and get to do it freely but we know we have brothers and sisters who are doing it in spite of the risk because of what you have done and so we give you thanks this morning for giving us hearts desire will to give you thanks and we pray that you would use us in this week of thanksgiving in this week of celebration, in this, on this day coming up of expressing our thanks through feasting that we would remember who is behind it all. And that it's much deeper than physical, temporary blessings. That in Jesus we have received eternal blessings. Help us to shine bright for you as we express our thanks for these eternal things. And Father, there are some here this morning who have never been able to give you thanks for these things because they haven't received you yet. And we pray that you would give them the courage and the faith to change that right now that they would put their trust in Jesus and receive him now. Not by any special magical words, but by faith. Believing that you are who you said you are, that you did what you said you did, and that you will keep every promise that you've made, including forgiving us of our sins and giving us the gift of eternal life. 
We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.